let's acknowledge the traditional owners of the land that we're on. I'm right here. We're recording this one on Ghana country. And I would also like to acknowledge your First Nations peoples listening to this podcast and the traditional owners of the lands in which you're on. I just finished a talk, guys. I just finished a talk about the voice to parliament. Oh, my gosh. What's the voice to parliament got to do with negotiations? Oh, yeah. Okay, guys, I better go because it's the wrong topic for the wrong podcast. No, just kidding. It's heaps to do with it, right? What is the referendum? Well, the referendum is about making a change to a document, a pivotal document to the whole framework of the Australian legal system. The cornerstone document, the constitution. So the referendum is about making a change, negotiating the change to the cornerstone document, the constitution. So what we're going to be doing in this podcast right now is touching on this massive decision that we're going to make about this referendum. We're going to be going into this rolling through negotiation style. But before I begin, let's imagine ourselves in the expanse of Australia, in the footprints of an ancient civilization where we as Aboriginal people have been the custodians of the land for tens of thousands of years. And the referendum is going to be asking people whether to vote yes or no to allow the voice into the constitution. Yeah, and I said, what the heck does the presentation on the voice got to do with rolling through negotiations? I said, think, think. Because you know whenever you're doing a negotiation, you've got to think. You can typically fit a round peg into a square hole if you think and do that thinking and then work out how to do it, how to massage it through. And so... That's how we got here today. My boss handed me some crappy notes. Guys, whenever you step into a negotiation, make sure you've got the tools that you need for that negotiation with you. You don't necessarily need to take on people's IT, tech-type resources within that negotiation, but prepare yourself before you step into the negotiation arena or a meeting room. Um, you know, have, you, have your own resources, have your own materials, know what you're going to say before you step in there. Don't let your marketing advisor hand you something that's just codswaffle. I've got the trusty guru, Sorelli, with us today. Sorelli, how does it feel to be in this second episode of Rolling Through Negotiation? It's exciting, definitely exciting. So I'm here to ask you a couple of questions. And I'm here to ask you a couple of questions because we're going to negotiate. And what's our topic? Uh, our topic of today is the voice to parliament. What's the voice got to do with negotiations? Well, I'm not the expert in negotiations, so you tell me. So, Ellie, it's simple. It isn't. Well, in two days' time, because today's the 12th of October as we're recording this, in two days' time, okay. the whole nation, each and every single Australian person is going to be asked to vote. So say either yes or no mm. about whether or not to make a change. It's an important decision for sure. The change is whether or not we're going to be changing the Australian constitution, whether we're going to negotiate new provisions into the document to allow for the voice. So the reason why this is a topic, why the voice is a topic in rolling through negotiations is because of the fact that a referendum is a formal process 
to be able to negotiate change into our constitution. And we know a thing or two about this topic because I literally just finished giving a presentation uh, on this topic and then after that presentation, what did you say, Sueli? Well, I say you're um, talking to me and saying like a lot of, lot of good points and I say, well, why don't we sit down and record a podcast? And the first thing I said is, Sueli, I can't. I said, Sueli, this topic's got nothing to do with negotiations, negotiations yeah. until we stop, pause and realise it's got everything to do with negotiation. Well, negotiation is everywhere. It's in your house, it's in your relationships, it's at a work. So it's everywhere, really. Yeah. And you even negotiated with me so that I could see the connection between... That's right. Between, between the, the voice itself and, and negotiations. And sometimes to negotiate and achieve an outcome, it's just about showing the other person the connection between where they are and where they got to go. That's right. The connection between the voice and this podcast. So that's what we're here doing, guys. That's why we're here. That's why we're speaking about the voice to parliament on episode two, mm -hmm. in rolling through negotiations. So how are we going to do this, really? Are we going to do this like an interview or are we just, or are we going to speak through? What do you reckon? I think really, like, because you've just finished a long presentation on the topic, uh, you probably have a lot of knowledge to share and points to share. So. All right. And you can add your well, words of wisdom as we go. Yeah. All right. How does that sound, guys? For, for people listening, we hope, we hope you're going to enjoy this one. And that's a good setup for our podcast as well by letting people hear and learn as we're going to go through like this, mm. our thinking, because we've just negotiated the style of how we're going to do this podcast. Okay. Hope you like this one, guys. Rolling through negotiations. Hold on. We, Hang on, guys. Are we expert in podcasts? Absolutely. No, guys, we're not really an expert in podcasts. We're just working it out. But come with us on this journey through rolling through negotiations as we work out podcasts. Check this out. Do you reckon most people would have heard of the Uluru Statement of the Heart? I would think so, definitely. Can I read it for people? You can. Do you reckon they would like it? I think so. All right, here we go. The Uluru Statement of the Heart was presented to the Australian people by 250 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples at the First Nations National Constitution Convention at Uluru on 26 May 2017. But hang on, before we jump into it, as I'm reading through, what I want you to do is think about this. This document, the Uluru Statement of the Heart, in one way, one way of seeing it, is it's negotiating the mindset of the people on of, of the people to en enable all Australians to be able to see this, the, the heart of First Nations people being delivered through this document. So a big part of the Uluru Statement of the Heart could be seen as if it's negotiating a fixed mindset of Australian people so that First Nations people can be understood better through this document. So there's a sense of negotiating the fixed mindset of all Australians to see the heart of First Nations peoples through the Uluru Statement of the Heart. So there's a negotiation piece in this document, right? Mm. The overall framework. And so, let's jump into it. We gathered at the 2017 National Constitutional Convention, coming from all parts, all points, sorry, of the southern sky, we make this statement from the heart. Our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes were the first sovereign nations of the Australian continent and its adjacent islands and possessed it under our own laws and customs. This our ancestors did, according to the reckoning of our culture from the creation, according to the common law 
from time immemorial and according to science more than 60,000 years ago. This sovereignty is a spiritual notion. The ancestral tie between the land or Mother Nature and the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, peoples who were born therefrom remain attached thereto and must one day return thither to be united with our ancestors. This link is the basis of the ownership of the soil, or better, of sovereignty. It has never been ceded or extinguished and coexists with the sovereignty of the crown. How could it be otherwise that people possessed a land for 60 millennia and this sacred link disappears from world history in merely the last 200 years? With substantive constitutional change and structural reform, we believe this ancient sovereignty can shine through as a fuller expression of Australia's nationhood. All right, Matthew, it's really powerful. So um, how can people access to that? Or where, where is it? Yeah. I, think, I think the website might even be the Uluru Statement of the Heart website. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. It's org. So if they want to read in full... Yeah, ulurustatement.org. But you're not going to get my voice with it if you get it off the, the website because they didn't ask me to read it on the website. I'm just reading it now. Yeah. So what is the voice for the parliament? Hang on, what if people want to hear more? I think people can just access it and read no. themselves. I've got all these... We've got all these... Guys, sorry about the interruption. So guys, proportionately, proportionally we're the most incarcerated people on the planet. We are not innately criminal people. Our children are aliened from their families at unprecedented rates. This cannot be because we have no love for them and our youth languish in detention in obscene numbers. This sh they should be our hope for the future. These dimensions of our crisis tell plainly the structural nature of our problem. This is the torment of our powerlessness. We seek constitutional reforms to empower our people and take a rightful place in our own country. When we have power over our destiny, our children will flourish. They will walk in two worlds and their culture will be a gift to their country. We call for the establishment of a First Nations voice enshrined in the Constitution. Makarada is the culmination of our agenda, the coming together after a struggle it captures our aspirations for a fair and truthful relationship with the people of Australia and a better future for our children based on justice and self-determination. We seek a Makarata Commission to supervise a process for agreement making between governments and First Nations and truth-telling about our history. In 1967, we were counted. In 2017, we seek to be heard. We leave base camp and start our trek across this vast country. We invite you to walk with us in a movement of the Australian people for a better future. So one of the key proposals in the Uluru Statement of the Heart is the establishment of a First Nations voice enshrined in the Australian Constitution. So through this document, the Uluru Statement of the Heart, this change, the First Nations voice, and the message behind the Uluru Statement of the, of the Heart is a negotiation with the Australian public. It's sad that they have to negotiate it. It's something that it should already be inclusive. I guess that's one of the beauties of negotiation as well, because through the power of proper negotiation techniques, you can overcome sadness. 
Because the Uluru Statement of the Heart is such a powerful document that it sets a framework for powerful negotiations to be coming from, which can lead to the change. So I think, sure, it, it's sad that the change needs to happen. Australia's past and our history is dark. But through the power of negotiation, hopefully we can get some positive changes in place. And I reckon that's one of the reasons why people hopefully can learn from this Rolling Through Negotiations podcast because while we want to make this fun and everything and we want to keep negotiation as something fun, you can overcome a lot of darkness with negotiation. So what is the referendum? What, is it, what does that mean? A referendum, see, in the heart of Australia's political and government and legal system is the Australian Constitution. It's a cornerstone document, right? And to be able to amend the Constitution is not just about you know getting out a, a pen and crossing something out. We have to go through this formal process. And this formal process, that's the referendum. It's called a referendum. And it starts off in Parliament, and that's where the, the, the change is given the approval of both houses. If one house turns it down twice, the Governor-General can still let the people have their say. But you know what? It gets pretty intriguing, right? It's actually tough to get up because to pass a referendum, it's not just about a majority of Australians agreeing. What we have to do is get a double majority. So not only must the majority of Australians across the country approve, but the sentiment must also be reflected in at least four out of our six states and our territories. Their voices are woven into the national count, but they don't tip the scale in the state tally. Mm. So the referendum process, the counting, the, the fact that we have to get the majority of Australians and then the majority of the states, that's a negotiation process in itself because that's a decision-making process, yeah? And in negotiating, you've got to make decisions. And then what this is saying is you've got to have 51% of all Australians plus the majority of states saying yes to be able to pass it through. So, and the proposed law is to change the constitution to include First Nations people um, and establish them a voice. Yeah. Mm. And then there's a question. So when people go there on, on Saturday, mm. the question that they're going to be asked is, do you approve this proposed alteration? That's what the Australian Electoral Commission have said. They've said the question effectively is going to be, do you approve this proposed resolution? And then you either got to choose yes or no. Do you approve, Matthew? Of course. How could I not? Mm. So really, it's like this. If you believe, like, you know, since the Uluru Statement of the Heart was presented, published, communicated back in 2017, there's been so many people that have said, oh, what a beautiful document, or how beautiful that is, right? Mm. And shown respect. So if we've embraced the Uluru Statement of the Heart, we've got to also embrace the voice. Yeah. How can you not? One of the fundamental points from the Uluru Statement of the Heart and perhaps even the beginning place is the voice. Yeah. And you said to me something really, really smart on this, Sorelli. I remember, I remember when we went to the formality of this day at, at the front of the um, South Australian Parliament House. Yeah. And I said, it looks like a bit of a performance, a bit of a show, right? And then we even spoke with one of the uncles on this day and he was even saying, yeah, the people, the Aboriginal elders that were there were hand-picked and everything. But one of the things you said to me that helped me really respect the whole process and respect what it stands for is you said, if we've got Aboriginal elders that are saying yes to the voice, then we've got to say yes to the voice too. Yeah. So in respect to the elders that were in, in this day, so in respect to them, I just, I, th I really think that we just, we just should follow our elders. Um, so that's, that's what I'm saying.
But uh, so let's talk about the reasons why people should vote for yes. Okay. What do you think? Well, there's justice and equality. So by having the First Nations voice in the Constitution, it means that there can be the, the long-standing achievement for justice, equality and recognition in the Constitution. Another one is the respect piece. So having an Indigenous voice as part of the Constitution shows respect for Indigenous voice. Another one is a, ho a hope for future generations. And is a step towards to reconciliation. Absolutely. Um, there's an emphasis on truth. But you know what's interesting? It's not just a black issue. Mm. All Australians have to either vote yes or no. Even you, you're Brazilian. Yes. And you're, you're going to vote too. That's right. And the way I think is like, as, as it is now, that's a no. Yeah, so if you're... If so you if you want something different, then you vote yes. And if you're conscious of, you know, of everything, then you would like for that to change, right? So... But there's heaps of people, there's heaps of people that don't like change. Yeah. Well, that, that's probably a different, different issue, right? So... Um, you have to negotiate that, with change. Yeah. And that's just a, a fear of the unknown. But that's a very, um, it's a very strong decision. So it's, it's, you shouldn't let the fear take over. So how can we apply that to negotiations? How can, how can we apply not letting fear take over to negotiations? Well, I think one of the things there is part of negotiation is standing up for what's right. And if you're scared, you should still stand up for what is right. And then remember, I've been speaking about the inner game of negotiations. So part of it is if you're scared, you still got to do the right thing anyway. So if the inner game is fear because you don't want change, you still stand up for what is right anyway. And when we speak about change, it reminds me of this caterpillar I once saw. It was an ordinary looking caterpillar, Sorelli. Mm, it was crawling along until one day mm. it built itself a cocoon and it went inside. And it changed. It had a metamorphosis. Yeah. It came out, changed, as a beautiful butterfly. And it flew up high into the clear blue sky to experience a better world where everyone could see. So change can be a really beautiful thing sometimes mm. if we can negotiate that change. Yeah? Yeah. And I think if you're scared of the change, I think it's just a matter of really checking yourself just double checking, right? Because uh, what can I say? Limiting beliefs. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, I was talking to you this morning about how our brain works. That we have two main parts of our brain. One's called neocortex, and the other one is limbic system. So the neocortex is all the rational part of our brains, and the limbic system is all the emotional. So and most of the people will think like we we wish that we can be very rational when we make decisions. But most of the time we're doing decisions, we're making decisions and we're using a limbic system, which is pretty much the one that helps you to survive. So then um, when we're making a decision and if we're afraid of that, usually we're working with our limbic system. And so that's awesome how you explain the neocortex and limbic system. limbic system. And how can people apply that to negotiations? Oh, there's many, many ways of doing it. Right, so, um, so for example, we can talk about authority. Like, for example, if I don't know something and I say 
a lot of people doing something, then I'm just like, well, if everyone's doing that thing, then I might just do that thing too. Um, which is, you know, following the authority kind of thing. And sometimes it's just a matter of you just double check yourself and say, you know, am I making the right decision here? Like you would check the facts because the facts bring into reality. And in this scenario, like we have so many facts, it could be really easy. Well, the fact is, you know, there was a lot of bad thing happened, white policy, stolen generation and so on. So why not give that a change and, and you know, hope for the better and vote yes. But hang on. There's some really good reasons for the no, like... Well, the reasons for the no, it could be, in my opinion, you know, sometimes you say someone saying something and then and then you think, like most of the people that I can say, they're like, oh, but all the Aboriginal people from the Northern Territory, they're all, they're all saying no. So because they're saying no, I'm going to say no too, right? The influence, the persuasion, all of that. You know, some of the reasons for the no is that the voice will divide us by race. That's one that Senator Jacinta Price has said a bit. And then the other one for a no is misses the needs of regional and remote communities. That's one that you just touched on. For Northern Territory, for example. Delays in decision-making, wanting treaty before voice, uncertainty, using resources somewhere else. Um, And, you know, amongst the people that have said no, you've even got some First Nations people who aren't supporting the voice, like Jacinta Price and... um, and Warren Mundine. But you know what's interesting is, if you go back to the, even the, the limbic system and the neocortex you're talking about, the limbic system being the one that just follows or something, isn't it? Well, the limbic system is the one that is just, is just there to make you survive, right? So... That would be the one that will just follow without thinking through yeah. things. Yeah. But then you, you've, got, you've got more than 800,000 people who are Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander. Well, I did some... I did Google it earlier today... And it was saying that even more than 900,000 people are Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander in Australia. Yeah. And you can't expect to have 900,000 people of any any racial background, of any race, of any nationality, Mm. to all vote the same way on such an important topic. Yeah. And then again, so that was we're saying that facts. And if you have the facts, it's like, 80% 80% of the people voting yes, then you wouldn't let yourself to be influenced or emotionally influenced by the 10 or 20% that voting no. Yeah, and you know, when you look at the reasons for no, for example, or we've said what they are, you know, there's actually really good reasons if you think them through and if you think with your neocortex, you know, there's actually really good reasons why the no points don't stand up. Mm. Like you take one of them, which is uncertainty. That's one of the reasons for people... Say no. They don't know what it's about, what it's going to say, right? It's a fear, uncertainty. So it's very emotional based. Yeah, and they say, "How can we say yes when there's when we don't know what, when we don't know what it is?" But without the voice, we don't know what it is either. Yeah. Without the voice, what's the future going to look like? We don't know. Yeah. So you're better off taking control to have a positive influence and saying yes, aren't you? And then what's interesting as well with that uncertainty point is, you know, nothing in the constitution is like fully prescribed. So. As an example, there's a defence power where laws can be made to defend our country, Australia. If that was fixed in stone, like just say, you know, in the 1940s or something when the World War II was, if that was fixed in stone and the Constitution said exactly how we're going to defend this country, well, then if there's a war today, we're in big trouble because we've got 1940 systems or whatever to try and fight a 2023 battle. So the way that it's written has to have ambiguity to allow 
transition, movement and change as a result of what's in the Constitution. But we didn't kick out the defence power, we still have to defend our country. Just like this, we still need to have the voice. Mm. So, Sorelli, do you want to give our listeners any, any bits of gold before we wrap up this podcast? Um, and if you can say that you've been too emotional about it, but you're, using, you're letting your fears take you over or you're scared of the change, then start thinking about facts. What are the facts, you know? And then maybe you can make a better decision when you can cross-check all the facts and not so much based on anxiety and fears. That's awesome. But what about if people have got to vote in two days' time? What well, then again, say, so if you, if you have two days to vote and you haven't made your decision yet, that's your limbic system. This limbic system is there to save energy and make you survive. Then again, why is the people, why is the people living tax, for example, tax file, when is your tax time? Why do they leave everything for less minute? That's because your limbic system is trying to save energy and then they're living for less minute. So if you're using a neurocortex, which is a rational part, you would have prepared before, you would check the cross, cross all the facts and you already knew like who you, what, what will you vote, if yes or no. Yeah, and that, 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 that's so true. And you know, there was something that I gave in this presentation today. Because when I give presentations, I like always having an element of compulsiveness in there. So what I mean, what I mean by that is sometimes I just feel like, oh yeah, I want to say this. So then I just jump off into whatever comes to my mind and my heart and spirit and just share it. Yeah. And sometimes, it, you know, sometimes when you do that, off the fly you just say something. Sometimes it fits in well, sometimes it doesn't. And I, I felt this ins piece of inspiration today and I went off and shared it. And as I was sharing it, I wasn't sure if people would appreciate it or not. But what was cool was one of the points of feedback after the presentation was that people really appreciated this. And, and it fits into this decision-making piece of being two days away. And yeah. I shared when I played football, as a young fella, I had this coach. And what he said was, when you got the ball, when you got to pass it, don't think too much. Don't think of which direction and, and double-check yourself. Because what happens is then you probably end up losing the ball and messing up. He said, the first option is the best option. So when you look up and see where to pass it, bang, go there. Don't think too much sometimes. The first thing you see, the first option, the best option, go with it. And mm. the reason why I'm applying this to the presentation is like this. Yeah. Because deciding which way to vote on the referendum that's so critical to First Nations people and our country yeah. as a whole yeah. is way, way more important yeah. than passing a football. Yeah. And it's not something that you just, you don't know when you feel it. You know? That's right. But the point is this, it's about trusting, trusting your decision-making powers. Because if you take a moment and close your eyes and ask yourself, I wonder which way I'm going to be voting, I wonder which way I should vote, yes or no. And if you're doing it, close your eyes and I wonder if I'm going to vote, I wonder should I vote yes at the referendum. And then you listen to the answer that comes, that might be like the first option coming to you, but there could be some wisdom in the answer that first comes. And sometimes you can overthink things. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't, think about this decision because it's such a powerful and important and critical decision but what I'm saying is if you're one of the people that are out there that are feeling anxious about this decision because you don't know which way you're going to vote yet then maybe being kind to yourself by having a process in place to help you efficiently make decisions might be something that you need and that's helpful for you.